Welcome back to Keeping Tabs. Again, I'm Tabitha Kroc, and today I interview someone that is not only a business owner, amazing father, wonderful husband, and just a good friend. I'm so excited to share with you his interview, but first, let's thank our sponsor, 32 Below, Froyo and More, opening August. Here in Coeur d'Alene, frozen yogurt, adult beverages, adult floats, bites, and much more. So make sure you follow them on all their social media, Instagram, Facebook. Keep up to date on their opening date coming soon. Now let's jump into our episode with Matt Lachlan. I am so excited to share with you this interview. So sit back and enjoy. All right, I have Matt Lachlan with me today, and I have known Matt for a couple years now that I think about it. Um, we met at a coffee shop, uh, and we started talking about real estate, magazines, nonprofits, and then from there, our, our you know our relationship, our friendship has grown, and we worked together and um, done a conference together. So, Matt, um, I have tons of questions for you, but can you just start off and yeah. tell a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Tabitha. Yeah, I. Uh... Uh, we were joking right before Tabba hit, hit record that everyone secretly loves talking about themselves. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, I, uh, I'm married. I have three beautiful boys, um, almost seven, four, and just over one. Um, so that, um, I mean, that's, that's the greatest joy and focus in my life right now. Um, live here in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, grew up in terms of Chronology, little things. Grew up in Spokane, Washington. Um, did my finished my undergrad at Carroll College in Montana. Uh, volunteered abroad a couple of years at an orphanage. Lived in Seattle. Met my wife in grad school in Colorado. And but we moved back up here in 2013 to raise our kids. So that's a little bit of a sketch, I guess. Yes, it is. And he, yeah. I mean, you guys and your your boys and your kids. I they're just so much fun to watch on social media and. You have your hands full. You have a lot going on. It's like, I, I was just thinking about that this morning, actually, because um, we're contemplating getting a, we have a 12-year-old dog and we're thinking about getting like a puppy. And I'm like, what in the world am I thinking? Like, you know, <laughs> and, and like, and, but I figured I was messaging a friend of mine out in Minnesota and I figured, you know, this is the season of family life. And the only way through is just to go all in, you know, <laughs> so just, just surrender to the nature of your life, fully embrace it. and. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's busy, but it's fun. So tell us about a little bit about what you used to do, and then kind of we'll go into all this great things that you're doing now. But um, so when I met Matt, you were doing real estate, and then also the magazine as well. Yeah, I, and I wasn't. I I'm not. I'm not a realtor. I don't work in real estate. But yeah, we met through a magazine I own. So my professional background is so in Colorado. I got my master's in counseling psychology, and um, then I went on to get my license as a licensed professional counselor in that state it takes a thousand hours of clinical work and then I had a private practice as a therapist down in um in Louisville Colorado it's in between Boulder and Denver and um my wife and I really I grew up in the northwest and that's where I always felt home and I've always been fond of small mountain towns and I wanted to get near family we wanted to have children um and uh, just prayed about it, kind of felt called to move to Coeur d'Alene. And, and so what I did is I closed my counseling practice and I started working with a, a company. We're basically franchise owners. We have, we're, I think we're like around a $300 million company now, the, the company I'm a franchise owner with, but we do niche magazines 
all across the country. And uh, so I have one that goes out to the top producing real estate agents and we do a lot of social events, connect them. And then I have another one that hits new movers, new residents. Well, um, in addition to that, the company asked me to serve on our leadership team. So for five years, I was basically serving in a leadership role and coaching other franchise owners across the country. Uh, they knew about my therapist background and, um, and then uh, loved that, learned a ton. And then I decided um, to step down from my leadership position and this January opened my own life business coaching practice, kind of integrating, you know, over 10 years of work I've done with people as a therapist and now coach. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the fast track to today. So I still own and run my local magazines and then my greatest joy is coaching people. So, yeah. So how, you know, I talked to you, I ran into you as you were just getting this started and how is it going? What are you like, what does it mean for like a coaching mentor? Um, you know, what you're doing right now? Yeah. Uh, say the last part again. What does it mean? What, what's the question? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. What exactly do you do? Like, oh, what is it? I, what is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? And what do you, what does that mean? Yeah. To, um, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. How do I view the whole thing? I am. Um, it's going great. I um, I'm growing every month and um, uh, you know, for me personally, it's, there's nothing more dear to me. Uh, it's way up there, I would say, in terms of it's an honor to sit down with someone and 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 hear them talk about uh, for them to bring to the surface what they're really struggling with mo most, what's most worrisome, fearful, shameful, and then also what's dear to them, what they really want to, who they really want to be in life, and what they want to accomplish out of love for those that depend on them in life or out of their own spiritual, you know, faith orientation. It's an honor. Like the work is incredibly meaningful to me. It's ultra meaningful. It's just my sessions, the time flies by. Um, but in terms of like how I work, how I would contextualize it is um, legally, I'm not licensed as a therapist in Idaho. I don't practice therapy. If people, I, I will often refer if they're curious about the possibility of working with me, I'll do a, I usually do a complimentary consult and, um, and so I'll, very often I'll refer them to a local therapist or maybe a recovery group if they need that or what have you. But um, I draw on, I, like, I think it's, um, how would I say this? Like, it's just not, people, you can't compartmentalize your life. So I draw on all of it. I draw on my therapy background, on my experience coaching people as business owners, sales commission people. I love to work with people long-term. So most of my clients will commit to like, invest like a year uh, it takes about 13 months depending on i have different packages and stuff but in terms of like working with me ongoing so it's really um i tend to attract people i was just asked this recently like what who, who's your ideal client and it's so hard to articulate because i have people in their 60s in their I'm trying to think of the youngest maybe around 30 right now when i was a therapist i worked with even younger college students and things but um I would say they're people that value personal development and self-growth. They tend to be in a position where their performance really matters. So they're not, you know, they're not locked into some sort of, you know, salary union job where they could just show up, you know, like they're, they're in a situation where they're like, wow, my execution and my performance really matters to my family, to myself, to my business, to my team, to my staff. And so they take like, how they're showing up in terms of their way and being and how they're executing really seriously. I think I attract, 
it's so the people are so different. So it's hard. It's a hard thing to answer. But globally speaking, I attract people who are they value self-examination and they value growth and personal development. So, and I, I attract people who, you know, are really committed to being committed, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Oh. So uh, I don't know if that kind of answers what you're aiming no, at. No, it's but great. It's great. Well, um, I mean, the first time I think I had a one-on-one coffee with you, we actually sat down with nothing else and we were talking, I think about crush it or something. And I ended up, I was like, oh, I think we've been sitting here for two hours. Like you yeah. are so good at like I was saying stuff to you that I don't tell a lot of people and I was like how did this happen how did I just tell him about my life and you were just like and just totally worked it out with me and it was one of the best things and if you're providing that for people I can't and it's invaluable um and I'm I was when I saw that you did this the switch it was like just made it was a no-brainer that you're doing that so I commend you it's really cool thank you yeah and I think right now like the world is going, we're going through a lot of stuff, you know, with COVID, with protests, with, um, equality, with the things that are happening. Um, why is it so important to have a coach or mentor, um, someone that's leading you through the very crazy life? Um, well, there's that, what's that saying? You can't smell your own nose, you know, kind of thing. Like you can't, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, here's the value of it. People, people usually have like a reservation, I think, to, to work with a coach because they look at it as like getting information or getting something from the coach that they're at, they're lacking or what have you. Uh, one of the most, the fundamental principles I lean on, I like, I double down bet everything on this, like full house is that that which people seek, they already have within themselves. Mm. They do not have to go out and develop it. They don't have to go out and create it out of nothing. It's already pre-exists within them. And like, like I recently did an online class on this and not on this per se, but I had, I broke down like, what are five fundamental distinctions and principles I rely on as a coach? And that's one of the main ones. And it's the most encouraging that that which you seek is within you, like whole and complete. It, and you know, there's different ways to illuminate that. Like if you, I don't know if you're walking down the street and a little kid, your child or a stranger's child's about to get hit by a car, you wouldn't, nine out of 10 people would lunge. They wouldn't hesitate to put their own life at risk to push that kid out of the, out of the way. And so already there's enough love and courage just, just there, whole and complete, that you would do that. And all the great wisdom traditions, scripture, philosophies, they illuminate this in, different, um, in a different manner, like, uh, you know, the kingdom is within you or... I like the analogy of a treasure. So, but the basic premise, like why I think people need coaching or the function of coaching, I see it as like, if that which you seek is already within you, your job becomes how to locate it, discover it and remove the obstacles to uh, uh, the experience of it and its expression in your life. And um, it's kind of like that classic analogy of the sun in the clouds, like, on a rainy day, the sun, like I live about 600 feet above town. So it's often in our town here locally. I don't know who's watching this, but in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we'll get like these foggy cloud covers, but it's totally sunny at our house. And I'll look, look down. I'm like, wow, all my friends right now, they're having a rainy gray day. <laughs> and, um, and it, and to them, it's like the sun's gone. Actually, it's just, it's right there. I see it beating on the top of the clouds. So like the radiance within you, it's always shining. Sometimes it can be ex- obscured by the clouds. So coaching, I think helps people identify those clouds 
and in the in the recognition and there's you know, in the process it dissolves them they 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 and then that which they are it just automatically you know expresses itself but um yeah i'm a huge fan i don't think even the word like mentor if you look at the word mentor in the greek goes all the way back to the odyssey homer's odyssey and there's this character athena has this um i forget all the names this sort of goddess figure appears named mentor to this boy Telemachus and his dad's away at the Trojan Wars and he has all these tough situations in life he's got relational things business things crises and this mentor figure his function is to like in the Greek like breathe heroic strength into him and help him navigate his life and so it's old it's like um it's not coaching is a, a modern word usually applied to athletics, but the whole concept of having another human being and the real power is your own inner awareness. Like um, I just totally trust it. Like I don't, I don't feel any pressure to give somebody any information that that's going to solve their life. Information ideas come through me or through them, but it, it's a function of their own awareness. Like I could go on and on and on. About, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. it's like a light bulb moment or aha moment that I get because I have a couple mentors and I don't meet, I meet them every other month and we just have yeah. and we just talk about life and then they give me, I mean, they're, they're a lot older than I am and they've kind of already done some of the things I've done. And they, I'm like, I love their advice because you know, yeah. amazing, but sometimes they'll tell me stuff and I'm like light bulb. I already have that. And I can already yeah. do those things, but you just, yeah. you move something to the side so I could see the goal or see what I needed to do. Um, yeah. So I agree, like coaching and mentorship, it is one of the best things. And I think, and I know a lot of people that are coaches and mentors have coaches and mentors. They do the same exact thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, kind of want to now, when you were saying that, like things that you'll hear from a mentor or a coach or um, oftentimes it comes, it comes in the session, but then the whole process, it accelerates, it turns up the burners on your inner awareness. And um like it's almost like the sun on a glacier it doesn't look like anything's happening but then like a month later the whole glacier slides so people will be you know they're just chopping carrots in their kitchen they're they're like oh my gosh and it's because they've actually um they've here's a great here's a great analogy of the power of this that people do not tap into it like so one of the i had a psychiatrist mentor a while back and he said um the reason why workshops and seminars are so powerful, there's all kinds. I've been to Tony Robbins. I've been to Landmark. I've been to all kinds of things like this. The reason why they're so powerful is because rarely does anyone actually take eight, 12 hours in a day, much less multiple days in a row, and puts their full consciousness and attention on themselves. They never do it. We're just running around, scatterbrained. You know, we're, we're dealing with our life. You know, right. Kids crying, lawn to mow, emails to reply to. And, um, and if you read like the verbatim transcripts of these powerful seminars, I have one. My laptop's actually sitting on it. It's like, anyway. It's a, <laughs> but I, you read it and you're like, uh, you know, it's valuable information, but it, the power isn't in the information. It's the power is in uh, people actually devoting their consciousness and awareness, withdrawing to the witness observer of their mind and, and, um, examining their life that surfaces that illuminates all kinds of things it, it um yeah so that anyway i'm just yeah no it's completely it, so. as a great example as i get off my podcast calls and i could just rule the world because i've been inspired by who i'm talking to or they gave me an idea 
or I was like, I need to get that done too. They're doing some great things. I would love to do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it fuels you. Like I, I totally know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's have a couple fun questions. Uh, favorite restaurant in Coeur d'Alene? We love Angelo's restaurant, my wife and I. We rarely get a date night. So, um, I mean, we can take our kids out to eat. There's a lot of places I like to, I like to go. Yeah. But if we ever just actually could pull off a date night, we're too nervous to try other things because we don't want to mess up a precious. So I love Angelo's restaurant. So good. That's a great one. I actually had never been in there for the longest time. I met a friend take me and we sat at the little bar, had a glass of wine. This is like two seaters. We had a glass yeah. of wine and like Angelo came out and talked to us and we had food. Oh, it was just, I'm like, I can't even go back there. The experience isn't the same. <laughs> I know, right? It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your uh, go-to music? Um, my, uh, I don't listen to a lot of music. Um, that may sound odd i mean i like a lot of different kinds of music oh, it it no people it like you yeah. make sense because you guys are like your brain yeah i'll like, tell you what i listen to like on a sunny day if it's like a really sunny day and the, the you know roll down the uh windows like anything from 80s to classic rock or whatever just rock out but um i love arvo pert he is the most played modern living composer in the world and um if you want an the most serene, incredible, contemplative, just listening to this song may make you cry. And there's no words, it's just instrumental. Um, it's called, uh, I think it's German, it's Spiegel M. Spiegel. So the spelling is S-P-I-E-G-E-L-I-M-S-P-I-E-G-E-L. Three words, Spiegel M. Spiegel by Arvo Perk. It sounds like it's, a the spelling bee there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That that is the most beautiful piece of music uh, and it you know if you go to his stuff the way you spell his name is arvo a-r-v-o-p-a-r-t so it's a, it's one of the only places on youtube that all the comments are positive uh multiple million of views and you read people from spain israel africa people are like this is the most this is making me cry this is the most beautiful thing i've ever listened to like you just scan um humanity's exposure to his so that is my favorite music by his work and i would say if you want to check him out check that one out first Awesome. Um, so what, what fuels you? What gets you excited to work each day? What is like, what makes you ready to go? Um, yeah, personally, the most dear thing to me that kind of contextualizes my whole life is, um, growing spiritually and, and, um, uh, out of, to know and love God and to be, um, be a vessel of God's radiance, love and, and kindness to, to everyone. Um, that that's more important than my marriage or kids or business. And, um, and I would say that would be that like almost like sanctifies everything that internal intention to um grow in in the knowledge and, and experience of the presence of god within me and you know they use the word god like i love 12-step work because uh, as a former therapist i see how powerful it is for people addiction recovery programs but they have step three i love it it's such a wide open step it says uh came to, uh uh oh we surrender our life to the care we let we surrender our will and our life to the care of God as we understand God. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I love about that program, you have people 
they're agnostic or they're kind of they're just more spiritually inclined not very religious then you have really devout christians or jewish people they all um blossom by that principle so um i'm not saying i'm not going to even try to say what god is per se or whatever to me but i you know um, that's that's how i would characterize so the, that would, that's what fuels me uh, oh that was beautiful no it's perfect um so who's your biggest inspiration um that's a great question like uh could you contextualize it living or dead or, or what? anything um you know i know like your family is one of your biggest you know probably yeah. inspiration yeah. outside of like family what inspires you like who what well, you know it can be yeah. you know um no yeah i uh well there's many many people that inspire me um hmm and again, going back to that other question, like what fuels me, it's kind of very similar. Like, um, I, uh, yeah, a lot of the great from Jesus Christ to other spiritual teachers, like, um, they inspire me. Um, like what I'm inspired by, you know, you know, that idea, like, um, that which you recognize and acknowledge in others, like you, um uh is something you value in yourself or you wouldn't see it in them and maybe you haven't fully owned it so i would say like there's a whole host of people who they have an attribute or a quality of being that moves me or inspires me and i think partly it might be a function of i haven't fully developed that part of myself or yeah. um, i'm not maybe as sweet and gentle all the time or whatever it is um and then uh yeah, so that's, I don't know, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't have a specific, uh, that, that's the thing too, because uh, in today's like, um, oh, that's what came to mind, like today, today's, I, I noticed a shyness come up about that question, and um, and part of it is it's such a one-dimensional world, people politicize everything, so I'm hesitant, it's almost like, I mean, I would share that kind of thing in private one-on-one, -on -one, a little more openly, but like, you know you just don't i don't um it's not a cowardice it's almost like if if you say one individual inspires you they're 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 dirty laundry in life you know like people as a former therapist they call it the good bad the good the split between the good dad and the, and the bad mom or bad parent like people who are developmentally immature will often split a parental figure as like all good or all bad and they they can't really reconcile with the humanity of their parent and and see their compassion and beauty and what they contribute to their life and their downside and kind of hold all that and um but yeah broadly speaking i'm inspired by people who as much as i i think i may or may not be able to recognize them people who totally and truly surrender their own will and their own attachments to to live out of service and love for others it's, it's an asset so yeah, I think that was a perfect answer because it is, it's hard when I ask that people, some people are like right away have a question and, or an answer by somebody. And then there's other people who are like, it's my mom, it's this. And then to like, yeah. there is a lot of people that inspire me daily in the same way. Like I'll meet someone. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to get my act together. This person is killing yeah. me. Like yeah. they, I want to go do what they're doing. So um, that's a 
perfect answer. There's a, you remind me of what you just said. Uh, we, we try to read great literature to our children, like the classics and they're young, but, um, but one, uh, one person I was reading is one of the reasons you do that, you expose your kids to great classic, beautiful literature and these figures that they get to read about is they come up against like such beauty or courage that without even saying it, they just, it's juxtaposed against how they're being in life. And it, and it, it illuminates the gap. It pulls that fourth room, but you can't be around someone and not immediately recognize, you know, the potential you're leaving on the table or what, what, how much more you can be, you know? I love that. So, um, so what is one life lesson that you learned the hard way? Uh, that'd be finances. Um, I, uh, I would say just, I didn't think about money, uh, borrowed a lot of it, student loans and just, uh, you know, got credit cards and I wanted a thing. I used my credit card and, um, uh, I didn't bring my awareness and attention to money. And, um, and so, uh, the painful lesson in that, you know, I would say I'm 45 now, like I was getting that lesson, like around 34, 33, uh, that was, uh, I'm grateful for now. We own a home. We, every month and my wife and I lay out a spending plan. We're solvent. We don't use credit cards. Um, we're still paying down debts. We only have secured debt. We don't have unsecured debt. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say money, just like uh, vagueness around money. And I'm shocked how many people struggle with that. Um, yeah, I had just had that conversation actually with my mom this morning about yeah. like just we had this whole in-depth conversation and how money is and just that whole lesson of learning that. And still some people just keep spending because I'm the same way as you. I don't I don't have credit cards for the fact that just, I don't even have the temptation, nothing. I have like a business yeah, yeah. card that I never use only for like work stuff. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm the same way that it's like some people just spend and spend and you're like, gosh, they have all these great things. And I'm like, I'm over here living in a studio and like yeah. trying to save my money. And they're, I'm like, oh, they're in debt by a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. they're, yeah, they're vague. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the greatest lesson there would, that I would is, um, this because this applies to your whole life so this is actually i think profound so not because it's my idea or anything but um to actually i mean there's different there's uh you've got um dave ramsey's financial people's university you've got uh there's debtors anonymous programs 12-step programs that put together spending plans there's a lot of different ways you know vehicles but to actually every month name where every dollar goes in advance and um name it and then track it throughout the month mm -hmm. and when you so i remember my wife and i when we sat down when we were married our money conversations we'd fight like it'd be all this emotion and intent you know we try to like do our budget for the month and we i you know first you're looking at the file bills like it's this dragon you want to avoid it and you just don't want to face it and then you, when you face it you fight and blah 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 so we over time like now like probably six years ago we were like when we did our monthly budget, we would get snippy, you know, because it brings up stresses because you're facing the truth and like, oh, we don't have money for this or we do have money for this. And, and then you end up talking about everything like children, vacations, uh, fitness, nutrition. When you do a monthly budget, you're actually talking about your life. You're not talking about the money. And um, so in a marital, a, mar a marital couple or a couple that maybe intermingles their money in the 
you know, for some reason aren't married or whatever, but it is, so now I, I get, now it's peaceful. We, we lay out the budget for the month and then we track it throughout the month. But really what we look at it is like, okay, when we talk about our money for the month, we're like talking about all the categories, like, oh, kids, uh, do we want to save for a summer camp? Or what about that? It just, it, it gets you like running your fan, like life, like a business and executive functioning and goals and aims. And it's all a function of tracking where every dollar goes that month. So I learned that painfully through marital disagreements and, um, you know, it's in the United States, you're not going to starve to death. I mean, try people are going to, people are going to notice you and throw you somewhere. But so, uh, I think the real blessing is just the fear, vagueness, anxiety, like you, you'll have a roof and if you're bad with money, you'll, you'll, you'll stumble along. But, um, it's more like the, the painful lesson is like all the vagueness, anxiety and worry that just goes away when you get, get out of vagueness and into clarity, I would say. I love that. And that makes so much sense when you do have those money conversations and it brings up the stresses because you're talking about life and, you know, really getting into it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So So another question is what would you tell a younger, um, like one piece of advice you give uh, younger Matt? Mm. I would tell him the same thing. I just told a 30 year old individual who just left my office who wants to coach with me. Mm. Um, I'm 45 and the way I hear, here's how I'll answer that question. Uh, Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychoanalyst, they, they kind of, um, laid out that there's three main life stages and there's three main confrontations in each of these stages. And I see this play out as a therapist. So the conversation I'm having with a 65 year old client, I have a a 64 year old client right now, or a 48 year old client and a 30 year old client, they're very different. Um, and so early life, which is about to 35 ish, 36 is the, um, you will be more neurotic and neurotics, a clinical term, a broad term, like restlessness, anxious, depressed, where you don't have like a psychosomatic problem. Like you're not clinically, um, clinically off. You're just anxious, worried, depressed, drag your feet in life. That neuroticism goes up to the direct measure of a person zero to 35 ish doesn't feel that they they can that they can do and accomplish like that they that's the main like they can and whatever it is as a woman like i can i can um i can develop and establish a healthy relationship as a you know this is both woman and man so it's not bpc but like then they or like a, a young man who's like i can accomplish that thing i can do so all the neuroticism is always around like um anxiety fear having courage can i do it should i make the leap should i do it's all leap of faith and um so to successfully navigate that stage, I would say to the young person, like, look, you are way more powerful than you realize. Have the courage to move forward and do it and trust yourself. And, um, and then, you know, 35 to 55, it's a different conversation. The, the main function of that stage of life is uh, people have made their made choices and there's real consequences you're 42 you have a couple kids maybe you're not even with the person that you have these kids with. you know you've made real you did a career thing or you didn't do a career thing so there's a lot of like inner forgiveness compassion work and uh accepting your life as it is then being a steward of the opportunities that still glisten before you but with humility because it's not the same as a 22 year old a 22 year old's got a different potentiality than a 41 year old um and then you know anyway so it depends on the stage so that's my broad answer to that i love that 
you know, early stage question. So I would tell myself, I would tell myself, have the courage to be yourself and express it in action. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you are kind of a, you're a natural entrepreneur, um, you know, creating this and doing all the things you've done in the past. What do you say like has been the key point of you being, I mean, cause there's people that love to be an entrepreneur and there's people that aren't. What are these like a key thing that you think that has helped you be a successful entrepreneur? Yeah, I would say, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess, yeah, I would say I would give myself like 60% entrepreneur, like true entrepreneurs are like, you know, an idea out of nothing mm-hmm. that, they bring, that they bring to the marketplace. Whereas like I, I started my own franchise businesses. So there was a model and some somewhat of a system that I could trust. And right. And then starting my own coaching business, you know, coaching exists out there so I can model after other people. But yeah, the biggest piece of advice, um, well, for one, uh, maybe you're not an entrepreneur, you know, um, like be having the humility to recognize and own your temperament and your propensities. I think one of the most damaging things is people hold themselves to a hypothetical ideal and everybody thinks everybody can be an entrepreneur and that's not true. It's like sales. So like, you know, I coach sales people in my pre in my previous leadership role in sales. If you have like a hundred people, you know, 30 people are going to kill it. Uh, 30 people are going to be pretty decent and 30 people. They're not, it is not in their highest and they're wonderful people and they can contribute and serve and have different functions, but they are not salespeople. So I would say, if you're if you're clear you're temperamentally are an entrepreneur and there's different personality type assessments out that one's called the uh, big five personality test and uh, it's like 10 bucks online the website is understand myself or understanding myself it's the most studied psychometric test but they measure one quality they measure is openness and entrepreneurs tend to be open which means they like ideas um, anyway so presuming you are temperamentally set to be an entrepreneur um, then, then you just have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the price? So then it comes down to willingness. I would say like, okay, you get joy out of doing the thing. You love the freedom and flexibility. Um, are you, are you, and you want, it's true that you can do the thing. Let's look like, let's get real. You could do the thing. If your best friend was getting married in India in like three days, hell or high water, you'd be there or your friends, your, your mother's going to die and you, you, you'd move the, heaven and earth and you'd be there. Mm-hmm. do the thing it's like are you willing and then a good self-inquiry is like am i willing to pay the price and what are the trade-offs and the price so um that yeah to be honest about your willingness to pay whatever price is required because you can't have it all so that that's is my, true. That's um, my that's, that's, that's my dutch uncle <laughs> so, that's so true too about being an entrepreneur so many people want to do these things but they truly are not that entrepreneur like and i started looking more into that to see if i really was because i start to do those you know i want to yeah, yeah. do this and there's yeah. not a lot of me I mean, there's some a lot of me i'm willing to just be open and do it but i'm not an entrepreneur in so many different ways so it's it's very interesting and it's a buzzword too like someone asked me oh, day, yeah. like, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur in this i'm like uh i was just doing stuff i didn't even know that was what entrepreneur does yeah 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 right it's a it's a it's a word that i get you yeah totally. yeah exactly yeah. so if someone's trying to get a hold of you or is interested in coaching or doing anything how do they get a hold of you yeah um uh they can facebook message me um 
they could text me. I mean, my website, I think my phone number is on there. Um, or maybe it's just my email, but the website is ML. My name is Matt Lachlan and then CDA. So I live in Coeur d'Alene, CDA. So mlcda.com. Okay, perfect. Um, or, you know, just go to my Facebook profile and follow me and then private message me. And then, yeah, if anybody's at all attracted to, maybe just reach out and message me and um, usually just going back and forth a little bit. Uh, if, if there's, if, if I get a sense that, that this could be a possible productive relationship, then I do, usually it's 90 minute free consultation. Yeah. And I talk to people about what it's not working or they actually want to be. And, uh, and I just give them candid feedback on whether I feel like I could work with them, how I work with people or not, or refer them to resources. Even just being with me for an hour and a half is incredibly powerful for people, whether or not we work together. So. Yes, I agree. I take him up on that. You will like leave going, oh my gosh, light bulb, light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so leave us with one piece of advice. Um, like I said before, we are all going through something. We're all kind of going through this together. Um, it's mm -hmm. 2020 has been a crazy year already. So um, leave us with something positive or like a piece of advice for people out there struggling. Yeah, I would say... Um, biggest I think challenge right now is focus for people um, they're uh, it's just very incredibly hard to remain focused on what's actually this so I think people need to discern what's here's a powerful question ask yourself what is needful and what is needless in your day and then if you're overwhelmed or anxious or off course um, just worry about the day you know, like the 12 step programs one day at a time or you know, scripture, you know, the day is sufficient unto itself, but like just handle your day well. And, um, cause usually people are, they're either living in anxiety about the future, which one, one analogy I heard of this way, it's like, if you were surfing, that's like riding the front of the wave. Like you're worried about a calamity in the future. So you, you wipe out and then or they're feeling guilt, shame, regret about the past. So they're off the back of the wave and they fall off. And so to, it's really valuable, I think, when people are not feeling right. It's just, you know what, just handle your day. If you handle your day, that handles tomorrow and then it handles the next tomorrow. And ask yourself that, you know, one illuminating question is like, is this needful or needless? And just keep doing what's needful. So you have to eat well and you should probably, you should probably go for that walk because, you know, you got to take care of the mammal and then, then you, you should probably walk your dog. And that actually does have a deadline for your work. And, you know, like do, do what's needful, ignore the needless as much as you have the inner resolve to do that for the day. And that starts to stack up and uh, you, you, yeah, you don't have, you're less likely to have real problems because most people's problems aren't real problems. They're just stories in their head about, potential catastrophes but oh i'm living there i'm living in that space right now completely yeah. so <laughs> yeah so no that's i mean that's we all live there that's why uh yeah i don't have any uh unheard of wisdom to share <laughs> it's like i'm human you're human and you're like i know what it's like to drown there so yeah <laughs> yep well thank you so much matt this was wonderful and uh, please um, you know, go check out Matt's stuff. He is a phenomenal human being. Um, I'm grateful that I've met you and that we stumbled upon each other at a coffee shop. So keep doing some great things and thank you so much. Thanks, Tabitha. Yeah. Come.
Thanks for listening to Keeping Tabs. I'm Tabitha Kroc, and if you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify to keep up to date on every Monday and Friday. Monday, we will talk to a different community member here in North Idaho, and then we'll end the weeks with the things that I'm passionate about, traveling, outdoors, adventures, the van life, sports, and of course, some current events. So thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.